0: You know by now that the dogs in my house wear Paco collars, and the newest addition is Stig's tan leather collar with brass fittings and turquoise stones. It seriously looks like the bay we bought our house on, and his smooth coat and long neck show it off perfectly. We picked it out in person at Paco's booth, and the staff helped us to be sure we got the exact fit and style that was right for him. I catch myself mesmerized by this collar when I walk him. How crazy is that? So get over to PacoCollars.com and grab a collar you'll be obsessed with. And don't forget to use the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. We've got a puppy. Puppy Elementary is my puppy training subscription service and it's all about our new puppy, Watson. It's just $45 for six months of Watson's development and education and you'll have indefinite access to the materials. So sign up anytime. Just go to www.thecognitivecanine.com and click the Puppy Elementary tab at the top of the page to register. Each week, you'll have access to multiple training videos and blogs, as well as constant access to the Puppy Elementary Facebook group, where you can talk about your progress with other students. Watson won't stay little for long, so join now. Hey friends, I've got a string of podcasts coming up featuring just women I admire in the dog training industry. And I'm really excited to share with you today a conversation I had with fellow training nerd and podcaster Hannah Branigan about imposter syndrome. And just in case you're not familiar, imposter syndrome is defined as this psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud or an imposter and it's something i experience all the time it's something hannah experiences and it's something that basically everyone i've talked to experiences um at some point in their professional careers. And so Hannah and I I talked about it and I think you're gonna enjoy our conversation. So here it is. Hey Hannah, welcome to the
1: podcast. Hey Sarah, thanks for having me.
0: So we're gonna talk a little bit today about this monster, imposter syndrome. Um, Have you, do you experience this? On a regular basis,
1: I do I would say that I spend a great deal of time hanging out um, on imposter syndrome island.
0: yeah, it seems to be a really well populated island, <laughs> even though it feels lonely. <laughs> it feels like no one is there and then and yet we are all there all the time
1: I think so and in um in fact actually when I found out that there was a name for that feeling, it actually helped a little bit because that just having, having something to call it. Um, yeah. Again, I, that it, happened to me too. I was like, Oh, this
0: isn't just a Sarah thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that There's
1: other, a name for it. Right. That there are, there are other people who are going through their life just waiting for someone to notice that they actually have no idea what they're doing um, and call them out on it and that they're and that it's such a thing that psychology made a made a label for it was a little bit of a relief. It didn't really I mean it doesn't really help anything, but it it um right. It did it, it did feel like, "Oh, okay. So I'm I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one." I mean, I may also be crazy.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't fix it, but it is actually helpful to know there's a word for it. I don't, that, there's probably a name for that too, for the fact that when you find out there's a label for the something.
1: There is almost certainly a German word for the feeling of finding <laughs> out that there's a name for a condition that you currently are suffering from. Guaranteed. Guaranteed.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So tell me about it. What is, tell me a story. Tell me an imposter syndrome story from <laughs> right. Hannah's Brannigan's world.
1: So I think one of the kind of one of the brightest or darkest, depending on how you want to how you want to frame it, uh, <laughs> examples that that is that continues to burn fresh in my mind um, was the year that I did my my very first Clicker Expo. So that whole experience was from from the part where um, Karen Pryor calls me on the friggin phone. Are we marked explicit? Yeah. I should have asked that beforehand. Um Calls me on that darn phone to ask if I would be willing to uh, present at Clicker Expo, and I had to pull my car over uh, in the CVS parking lot because it couldn't. I wasn't. I wasn't safe to drive at that point. Um, Right. But then, um, but it really kind of came to a head uh, before before the actual conference kicks off. There, uh, there's always a a faculty meeting where all of the presenters uh, meet in a conference room and. They go. It's it's kind of there's a little bit of a summer camp element there, but it's like a summer camp for grownups, and worse, it's like, like it's the real grownups, not not those of us who are pretending to be grownups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go around in a circle, and they all say like what they're working on, and you know what you know what new thing they're doing. And so of course you know, Ken is saving elephants in Africa, and um, um, Kathy's doing something with clouded leopards, and and like everyone's got this like really cool thing, and and I'm like oh. My dog got an obedience title. <laughs> so, so like as they're going around in the circle and you know, you know that, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, only one who experiences, but, but this happens to me at, at, at every, any group situation where you're going around a circle and waiting to introduce yourself and while you're waiting to go, like the, the my chest like starts to collapse on itself
0: the anxiety just <laughs> builds and builds and builds. This is such a problem. There's that's, probably
1: just to say, yeah. my name's Hannah and you know, whatever. Um, so, so yeah, so it's building, it's building, it's building. And I've already sat in the back of the room because I'm was pretty sure that they were going to notice that they accidentally invited me. Um, and it was a mistake, but, but- I'm wait Yeah. So they're going around, they're saying all these cool stuff. That's amazing that they've done. That's incredible. And, um, and as they're talking, I notice that I am slowly, incrementally, almost glacially rolling my my roller chair closer and closer to the wall, um, because I I just have this like like wave like crushing feeling that they are going they are going to notice at some point one of these real grownups is going to turn around and notice that they they accidentally have the door unlocked and this random weirdo. Has come in and is sitting um, at this conference table and uh and you they'll tell me to later. leave. Yeah. I mean they'll figure that out and they're gonna tell me to leave because it was it was a mistake. They didn't mean to send that email, you know? Uh, right. Yeah.
0: <sighs> I mean, and then fast forward, how many clicker expos have you been at?
1: I do not you know you were gonna have to really hard, really though. hard, hard <laughs> questions like that. Sarah. Um, yeah, uh let's see four, maybe four or five. Um, I think four. This will be my thing. I think this is my fifth coming up 2019.
0: And I think we'd all like you to say that you don't feel that way in faculty meetings anymore, but maybe you still do.
1: I uh, see the, the worst part is now it's really awkward because now when they figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing and I've been making it all up, um, there's going to be this, this five years of, of awkward history. Um, that we're going to have to get through. <laughs> and In fact, it was so bad at, I think I want to say like the second year, that um, they had actually sat me next to Karen at dinner one of the night Karen Pryor, and oh boy. I turned to her after possibly a second glass of wine and said, I'm afraid that you're going to notice that I have no idea what I'm doing and I've been making it all up.
0: You confess your imposter syndrome to Karen Pryor.
1: Yes. Very and good. he says, don't worry. We all are. <laughs> and that was kind oh, of the like... Sage, the sage words of yeah. Karen Pryor. So we're all, we're all making it all up. And I'm like, well, she just doesn't understand how, how completely at sea I am. But, um, <laughs> but it was kind of interesting to hear.
0: Well, it is because actually we are. I mean, I talk a lot about how so much of good dog training, you've got you've got clean mechanics and smart setups and but then you've got creativity. And if you don't have that little piece of creativity, I think a lot of times that um, can separate trainers. Almost into different categories. I think a lot of the time, um, all I am actually doing is trying to help people be more creative in accessing their solutions, and that mm-hmm. literally is just me making stuff up.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I think there's there is a complicating factor that that maybe isn't. Well, I think I think it probably is true in a lot of um, applied applied areas. And yeah. certainly anything where there is that kind of creative artistic element in that um, applied behavior is always a study of one. So there isn't a solution um, to any one training situation that we're solving. So we're just looking back on, okay, these are my observations and let's try turning some knobs and flipping some switches and see what happens. Yep. And it, and it doesn't really matter if you have trained. Hundred dogs to do this thing, or if you've trained one thousand dogs to do this thing, if the thousand and first dog has a different set of conditions or a different, again, we go right back to there. That that one dog is still the study of one; it's still its own individual right. data point. And so the experience is is helpful, but to only to an extent. Um, it's being able to zoom out and again, really observe what's going on with this individual in this moment. What are some of the, what are some of the knobs we could turn um, to see you see what the effect is. So, so I think it's, it can feel a little bit scary. It would, I frequently wish that I could just say, oh yes, I've done this, you know, a hundred times. This is a guaranteed right. <laughs> solution to this problem. And I can never say that. I realize Barkbusters does, but I never can. Right. I was just gonna say
0: there are. Whenever I see advertising from a training company that guarantees anything, I I laugh about it because <laughs> I just can't even imagine ever being able to guarantee that I am going to get this dog from point A to point B. Yes. Even if I've done it a thousand times before. Because right? Because we are all just making it up.
1: <laughs> we're, making, we're making it up. And I mean, the best the best we can do is try to be really, really observant. Um, yeah. And hopefully hone our observational skills. I think it's, um, I think we do, I think we do also have, um, like we can take, and I know like you and I are pretty big on, we'll call it like taking data um, mm-hmm. in some form or another for that individual as an industry, though, a lot of our culture is built on more on like anecdote, uh, anecdotes, right? Like it's, oh we, yeah, we do a lot of things for tradition because of tradition or because this is how we've seen it done, not necessarily paying a lot of attention to what exactly is happening in front of us. And when, I don't know about you, but when I make a suggestion that is kind of goes against how things have been done, um, I feel like i'm I'm going out on a little bit of a limb and feel a little bit shaky, yeah. and that's totally when I expect someone to to notice that I have no idea um, that I'm just guessing. Uh, and
0: when you're <laughs> whenever you survive on that shaky limb, because this is what I experience is all right, I go out on that shaky limb, but then we actually get it done, and then everything is okay, but I'm pretty sure the next shaky limb will break.
1: Oh, for sure, <laughs> absolutely, um, and I do think that's where one. I think um, when I am when I am my best version of myself, and I am taking that data at least on that one dog, I can say, okay, you know, we had, um, you know, we the behavior was breaking, you know, this percentage of time under these conditions, we you know we tried this, we made this one change to how we're approaching it, and now look, we have you know we have clear numbers that show uh, improvement. Um, yeah. that's really helpful, shaky. Yeah, that's <laughs> really actually- in, in, at least in that one, at least in that one instance, but, um, developing those, looking for those places, how can I take, particularly if we're looking at something that's, um, that's harder to measure, um, yeah. on a day-to-day basis and finding a way to measure that, that does, that does help. I won't say that it helps with the imposter or maybe. I don't know they're all it's all constructs but um, it at least helps me feel like okay in the moment I made a decision and that decision worked or I made in the moment I made a decision and that was a terrible decision let's pretend that didn't happen let's try something else right
0: so the data almost empowers us to either continue down the line that we're going on or not And so maybe some of this pervasive imposter syndrome that is honestly rampant in, I mean, it's rampant everywhere, but (laughs) since this is a dog training podcast, I'm going to say that most of the dog trainers that I talk to experience it. Um, I experience it in huge, huge amounts. You experience it. Um, That maybe if we actually... But again, like you said, as an industry, we are fueled by anecdotes so heavily. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we steered away from that a little bit, got a little more science y, <laughs> and um, it maybe wouldn't help the imposter syndrome, but it might empower us to
1: at least just keep doing. Right. The work that we're doing, right? It, I think it helps. I, I, I was, as you're talking, that's that's what I was the conclusion I was coming to is when when I'm able to do that, when I do a good job, um, taking the data, record keeping, looking back on it, and being as objective as possible, it at the very least those that anxiety that that fear of being found out that imposter syndrome does not get in the way of doing good work, um, of helping yeah. the dog and changing the behavior.
0: And I think that. That's the best we can do because I don't think this is something that we can altogether escape, but we can keep working um, even though it's there. Mm-hmm. So besides record keeping, what are some other ways that you keep working even though at some point the grown
1: ups are going to realize you're at the table? <laughs> I mean, really the, the, the funny part is a lot of, a lot of what I do is, I mean, really kind of just distills down to that, like, like put the blinders on, look at what's actually happening. Don't look up. Um, Don't look right. Don't look left. Just kind of keep your head on working. So, you know, when when it comes to things like a podcast or or writing a blog or posting, um, posting a video of my own training on the internet for the entire world to see and notice and comment on um, is, is a, one of my defensive strategies is I pretend no one will notice. Right. Because if no one notices, then there's nothing to be an imposter about.
0: Right. Then you're just over here doing a thing and nobody sees it and it's fine. Um, let's talk about the video posting a second because that's a big one. I think that our industry would be served by more people sharing more actual footage of good training or yeah. even bad training but just actual footage of training mm-hmm. instead what gets shared is like look at these two seconds that went so amazing
1: i know um, <laughs> and, and i do a whole lot of editing to find those too <laughs> i mean yeah so do i like
0: that i mean and that's the beauty of instagram right it should be a very short clip <laughs> right? right oh my goodness yes but we would actually be served to so well I think as an industry as a whole to see more footage that is real mm-hmm. um, but it's hard to pretend no one's going to see it when
1: when you do you know, it, gets shared,
0: right? it gets shared yeah. in some dog training group and then it gets shredded yes. Yes. <laughs> helpful feedback Right. Super helpful. Right. So for me, I just don't read those things. Yes. I just pretend the comments aren't there. Is that what you do?
1: Uh, for the most part, I do actually. <laughs> um, I used to try, I, I used, you know, I, I, I period, honestly, I go back and forth. It depends on how much emotional energy I have on any given day. Yeah. Because um, I would love to engage in the discussion as long as it can be a discussion, but frequently it's not actually a discussion. Right. Um, but um, I, I do often just, I'll either just like the comment and move on or um, just, you know, ignore it, pretend, keep going. Um, turn off notifications for this post is really helpful. That's my favorite. Really helpful feature on a lot of these, a lot of these platforms. Um, it is, I mean, it really is because I I do think that we learn as, as a species, we learn so much from from modeling, from observing other people doing the things we tend to imitate, whether we mean to or not. I mean, how many people tug and say "smack the baby" and right, um, <laughs> right, uh, and not been really anyone's taught that. It's, we're just all imitating things that we've seen, and yes. um, and I think one of the ways to help, just it generally again help the population progress and forward is we sh- is we share more of what's actually happening. There's so there's we have the training recipes and we have the instructions that we're trying to follow the protocol we're trying to implement but within that there's that there's that creative artistic element of in that moment how did I decide to put my hand exactly there you know what what were the conditions what did the dog do because the dog's behavior is the cue for my behavior in a training situation mm-hmm. um that that caused me to to make that small change and often those are things I'm not necessarily conscious of right I'm just reacting and then it either helps or it doesn't help. It turns out good and I'm reinforced or it turns out poorly and I've been punished and I hopefully make a different choice the next round. But I get, I know that I get a lot from watching skilled trainers go through that sort of performance feedback revision on that very small scale within a training session, um, you know how how do you react if a treat hits the ground how do you react if your dog um, sniffs for a second and then comes back how do you react if your dog sniffs for thirty seconds and doesn't come back <laughs> and you know, what what does that look like how do different choices play out in a wide range of of different conditions and then also kind of knowing what normal is like what's what really is normal like if I take my puppy, so here's here's the story. This is this is getting kind of off topic, but so I took my puppy, border collie puppy, um, and I'm doing my very level best to provide him with the positive, controlled, um, but you know, you know slightly challenging experiences as he, as he grows. We can mm-hmm. call them socialization, call it whatever you want. Um, I want to provide him with a wide range of experiences, but I want to do it in such a way that he's always I'm always building him and not terrifying him and making him. You know, afraid of the world, right? Um, So, I'm trying to be very purposeful, and in this one particular instance, I took him to this kind uh, of—it's a courtyard space in a sort of mixed office retail area—in the middle of the day during the week. Now, normally, this is a this is one of my favorite places to take a young dog because it's a very there's a lot of nooks and crannies where you can add distance or get behind something or. it's a lot there's just a lot of a lot of variation in that in that train but at the same time you have this kind of steady low level intensity of people foot traffic of different kinds of people yeah. walking through um, and this particular day I have my border collie puppy and he notices everything because he's a herding dog and I have him in this quarter we're doing pretty good and we're doing just some little targeting games and playing with some of the the little There's like a little fountain with rocks around it. And so he's like putting his paw up on it and coming up for a hand target. And we're doing a little food, little food stuff here and people go by and we do look at that. And um, he's got his mat. And then all of a sudden there apparently is some uh, really rare Pokemon monster has appeared (laughs) in this courtyard and there's a flash mob of 60-plus people swarm this courtyard space from the surrounding office buildings. Now, I don't play Pokemon, so I have no idea what's going on. Um, It's like Night of the Living Dead. Is this a fire alarm? Like, what's going on? And the
0: apocalypse has come.
1: It is the, <laughs> the most bizarre. And they're all just standing there tapping their phones over and over and over again and not speaking. It was the weirdest scenario possible. <laughs> And I like, I took a photo. and I sent it to my husband, like, what is going on? And he's like, I think there must be a Pokemon monster. So um, I'm back behind this bush, like shoveling food into this dog's mouth. And it's like just falling out the side of his mouth. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I have royally screwed up this puppy. This is the end. I had hoped to do sports with him. We clearly aren't going to do sports. Um, this is, this is it. I have ruined him in one afternoon on a Tuesday. And I don't. where was I going with that? Oh, so. I screwed that up. Um, I didn't have I didn't have the information. Right. Like I made the best decision I could based on the information. I was I was being thoughtful about. It. I wasn't being careless, and just this random bizarro thing happened, and and it was not a good learning environment for him. Um, and I think that five years ago, I might have really let that sink me. Yeah. Uh, emotionally, um, and it occurred to me that when the fact that he was kind of growling and not really taking food and like definitely being squirrely about the situation, I could decide that that meant that this dog was not able to do the things that I had I had hoped for. Um, or I could say, hey, you know what? I was a person, I made a decision based, I made the best decision I could based on the information I had available, didn't turn out. Um, he reacted in a really very reasonable way given the circumstances. And tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to try to you know, work from that. Like now we have a new starting point. We'll just keep sure. moving forward. And I think that I think that sharing one that those things happen, two how we made the decisions and the actions we took to mitigate the damage when they do happen, um, and also this, just like I mean, it, it keeps it real because I think that's a kind of an extreme example and. Think God not, nothing like that has happened since, but it could just as easily be the German shepherd comes out from between two parked cars and barks at you when you aren't expecting it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's, it's, if we always, if we always act like it's always been perfect and like the puppy has always been perfect, then someone else in a similar situation might not, might not see the number of options that I was able to see. Right. That was a long way around the barn. Sorry about that. Uh, That's all right. It
0: was good. And I think that what kind of the point is, is that we all experience this imposter syndrome and the way, the way out, like the way to deal with this on a daily basis is to keep talking about how, number one, we all feel like at some point, the grownups are going to kick us out. And then also, we all screw up on a, <laughs> like a semi-regular basis. Yeah. And that's also fine. Like what matters after that is what we do. Do you right. let, you know, does it sink you or do you go, okay, there are options here and I'm going to exercise those options and
1: move forward? I like how you brought that back around. Yeah, I think it's the, the, I think the talking about it is really important because there's, um, you know, Brene Brown talks about, about shame and shame loves silence. And yeah. the, the more you let yourself be alone with it, the the stronger it gets. Um, where yeah. you, you bring it out, you pull it out of the closet, you bring it out in the light, um, and it doesn't have as much power. So, um,
0: Right, it's this big monster in the closet until you actually pull it out, and then it's actually just like a hamster that was casting a large shadow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird metaphors kind of my thing. Um, but but yes, I do I think I think talking about it, I think being being honest about uh, experiences as we go through it, and I think considering. Behaviors are always dynamic, including ours, right? So we're all right. learning. Um, I hope I hope that I keep learning. You know, I hope that I'm doing better than I was ten years ago, five years ago, five minutes right. ago. Um, also, it's not linear, right? So no. I can have a much worse day tomorrow than yesterday. I hope not, but um, but it's uh, that doesn't, it doesn't mean that it, it, it's not that meaningful. It's just one. It's one more data point. You know, and you zoom out and you look at the trends. Um but posting posting the you know the real stuff as it's happening again in you know talking about it. Um right. and that doesn't necessarily mean sharing everything. Like there's you know I have training sessions that are just there's there's nothing educational to learn from them, right? There's <laughs> sometimes they're just crap and you throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you know Let's just start over again. Um but but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle it's not all it's not all perfect you know, or you don't get a big dramatic transformation from you know the beginning to the end but those those small choices in between are very relevant um and those are very helpful very helpful to share so um so i'm certainly not saying that we all need to just be like you, you don't have to expose everything to the wide internet but you can you can pick <laughs> um but I think right. move, slight, moving the slider over a little bit on that spectrum, um, especially especially those of us that are that are sharing more, like be you know show show that range, I think is helpful.
0: I think it's really helpful, especially knowing that um, these kind of feelings of I really like this phrase I found when doing you know semi research for this um, intellectual fraudulence oh, is kind of, of what we feel like um is happening and so when that's happening if we just get out there and engage with colleagues put it out there talk more we see that you know like you said we're all we're all making it up Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) but but we're not so we're all making it up within you know a certain set of parameters of what we kind of think we know to be true and if we just keep talking about that Mm -hmm. maybe we can have maybe we can all suffer from this imposter syndrome less um and then one thing that you and I kind of talked about is there's kind of two ways to go about this. You can put your head down and just pretend no one's going to see it, but then put it out there and a million people see it. I mean, a million, probably Mm -hmm. not, but, um, or if something kind of spikes some emotion in you, it's easier to (laughs) put more of that stuff out there. So if you get in a rage spiral about something you saw on the internet, um, for me, that just makes the content almost just appear out of thin air.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm not
0: sure what that's about or if it's helpful, but it's really I don't know if
1: it's – well, I, I don't know if it's helpful. I don't know if it's healthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely that phenomenon where, you know, as you're, when you're really, you're really aroused about something, you're really worked up, um, m- you know, much like you know, the Malinois with a tennis ball or – Border collie and frisbee. There, there are things that that Malinois will do in the presence of a tennis ball that that he wouldn't ordinarily do in, in other directions right. And I find that there are things that I will say at eight o'clock at night after having read someone who was wrong on the internet. <laughs> um, that that at ten o'clock the next morning, I I might not have the courage to to come out and say. Um, right. or, so again, there's 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 a um, there's just like being an unfiltered jerk, there's, so that's one side. But there's also you know reading something, recognizing that there is misinformation or um, there's a kind of a, a a narrow opinion being shared, and that you may have better information or more information or a different point of view that people again like the wider the wider world, the wider industry or our field would benefit from, from hearing another perspective. Um, I, so it, so it, a few years ago, I would have just been in that comment section on that, on that post, like in a heartbeat and, and lost several hours of sleep and damaged relationships with people around me. But, um, now I have learned to harness that a little bit. So if I, if I read something, um, that's very wrong, I am more likely to turn around and pour that into a blog post um, right. Or use it to fuel a, a podcast episode um, or to go try to actually see if I can even, you know, ideally turn on and go show it in, in action. Um, can yeah. I take one of my dogs and I will show you that we actually, we can do this. At the very least, I will provide a single counter example um, that this can in fact be solved in this way. And <laughs> in a two second it.
0: Instagram clip.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, thirty minutes or less. Um, five minute magic solution, but um, it's uh, it is it is certainly easier um, to do it that way. And, and there's also one of the things that I that I return to, that I remind myself of, and and the internet's kind of part of that. Is um, and it was why I started the podcast and why I started blogging was was because of that that phenomenon that there are. In fact, since 2016, it's become increasingly clear to me that being right or accurate or factual is not as important as being loud. Yeah. And the internet responds to volume. And if I don't say anything, then it will only leave the loud people as the only voices. And... And that's a big problem. Um, and if I'm not the one to say something about it, then who will? And so, I yeah.
0: feel like that's where we really like slay the demon of imposter syndrome is when we decide that we actually do have something to say. Right. And that if we don't say it, we will only leave the... Right the loud masses that may not have all the facts, and I think that applies to basically everything that we are experiencing in current times
1: it it does and and you know while I may have no idea what I'm doing, I at least know more than that jerk face uh, right whos <laughs> who's posting you know and and uh, I may i I at the very least have have. I can be one of the, so I don't have to be, and this one, okay, so here's this, here's another, see, I said I didn't really have anything, but apparently I do. Um, and I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm making this part up too, but, um, <laughs> the idea, so I will get hung up or I did get hung up for a very long time that I need to be the expert. I need to be an expert. I have to know everything before I can say anything. That's mm-hmm. it's just another form of perfectionism and it's just another form of throwing up sort of self-defense protective obstacles so that I don't put myself out there and risk the comments on YouTube. Um, but there are a whole lot of people that could actually benefit from hearing someone with that's just one chapter ahead. Yeah. Um, in fact, most of the people can really benefit from that. So I don't, I don't have to be Ken Ramirez. I don't have to be Kathy um, yeah. Tadeo because there are I learn a lot from them because they're a couple chapters ahead of me or Inside of encyclopedias ahead of me. Um, but there are there are a lot of people who are just, they're getting into, they're just getting into dogs or they're just getting into training. And and I'm a little bit ahead of them and they can benefit from at least what I already have learned. So I can bring that.
0: And actually, arguably, we learn best from someone who's just one or two chapters ahead of us right. versus a book ahead of us. Right, because- that,
1: that, uh, what is it, the zone of... Zone of uh, something. There's a name
0: for that as well. Yeah. Just like there's a name for everything.
1: There is. It's not even a German word. I think it's an actual word. No, it's like a, an English word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and proximal so, development, the zone of proximal development, right? Yes. Good job. Thank you. Um, Steel trap.
0: <laughs> and so thinking about that. Again, that just circles back to we should all be sharing, um, you know, not necessarily everything, but stuff that we're doing, training sessions, even if they don't go perfectly, because we all know that they actually never do. Mm -hmm. Um, And experiences like your puppy getting bombarded by Pokemon people. um, That's just that's so funny. I feel like everybody has a story like that when when they were trying to do right by their puppy and then literally just something that they could have never predicted happened. Um, and yet people don't talk about those stories. And so then that just puts us all, you know, just more and more and more divided. Um, But yeah, we we all do best learning from somebody who is just a little bit ahead of us. So that means that everybody, in theory, is just a little bit ahead of somebody. Mm -hmm. Which means that everybody does have something kind of worthwhile to
1: say. Well, maybe not everybody, everybody. but everybody listening, everyone listening to this podcast, I think it's safe to say.
0: Yeah, Yeah. there's a (laughs) within reason. (laughs) Maybe not everybody (laughs) is exactly right. Um, but I do think that, you know, it's important to, I think, just know that we all feel like this at some time, if not all the time. And like you said, like, yeah, just drag that hamster out of the closet.
1: That is quite the visual you've come up with there.
0: (laughs) It's going to be a drawing, painting, creative project now for my wall. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's we solved it, Hannah.
1: Boom, we're amazing. I think Ted, the Ted folks, know where to find us.
0: <laughs> Drag the hamster out of the closet. Yep. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end. <laughs> exactly right. You got problems. We got solutions. <laughs> You've got hamsters in
0: your closet. We've got answers for that.
1: Yep. Uh, You've got
0: hamsters. We've got answers. This is the new tagline. That's right.
1: right. You've got hamsters. We've got answers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm so glad we got there. All right, Hannah. Thank you so much for talking to me about this and humoring my hamster analogy um, and sharing all your stories. It was great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I forgot to have Hannah mention this stuff. So you can find her at wonderpupstraining.com. And her podcast is called Drinking from the Toilet. And if you haven't listened to it, man, get over there. Give it a listen today. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.